said, good morning, Celebration Church. How y'all doing? You missed it first service. I had to have an entire microphone changed during the first service. I'd gotten this new microphone, and like I was sitting there telling uh, my father it's cooler than his, and he's like, ah, I like mine. I get up there, mine wasn't working. So I don't, he may have sabotaged it just to show me. I don't know. It's one of those things, teaching lessons to your children maybe. I don't know if that is. But anyway, <laughs> let's go ahead and have everyone stand with me if you would. Let's recite together the Apostle Creed. This is our statement of faith and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. I welcome everyone this morning, all our campuses joining us. And if you're online, my name is Phil Gunger. I'm one of the pastors here at Celebration Church. And I just want to make a little announcement to Tim Ray. If he's somewhere around, your hazer is stuck on. So I'm going to get very smoky. And it's going to be difficult to see me at some point if you could shut that off. <laughs> It's just the presence. This is all part. Hey, there we go. You heard it shut off. All right, so just a couple of announcements. Uh, again, just to remind you guys again of the first Wednesday that's coming up. Uh, baptisms be happening here at all the campuses. You want to check that out. And also the growth track. Growth track. It's a hard word to say. Uh, growth track starts uh, also next Sunday, 1145, in the Bayside Room here in Green Bay. Uh, you can ask your campus pastors about <laughs> your campuses where that is. And then uh, also uh, here we're going to be having our uh, youth, our 5th through 12th grades, kicking off Wednesday, September 12th with the motion night. Uh, Pre-party at 6.15 and the service at 6.45. All right, there, Bob, there's all the announcements you wanted me to give. <coughs> I did it. He told me he was going to send me more details and all of those, and he didn't, so hopefully he did all right. So cool. Um, this morning, uh, excited to be here with you guys. It's been a while since I've been up here. I don't know if you remember last time I was up here, I sang you a song, for those of you who remember. I uh, actually pulled my wife up on the stage and sang to her. Um, and so she was getting nervous this week, to be honest with you. She was. She kept checking me and she's like, so, so what are you going to preach about? What you preaching? I said, just babe, I'm going to preach on Jesus. That's what I'm going to preach on. She'd oh, get mad and walk away. That actually is what I'm going to speak on, though, is Jesus. I wasn't lying. You thought I was being sarcastic. Um, and actually, why don't you come up here with me? No, just kidding. <laughs> she was sweating. The second I started talking about it, she, she was sweating. As we were falling asleep last night, she looks lovingly into my eyes and goes, don't you dare call me up on the stage tomorrow. <laughs> so don't worry. You're okay. You can stay there. She was threatening to hide somewhere and sit in the back somewhere so I couldn't find her. Uh, anyway, so we're actually, I'm going to be talking about, uh, I'm be talking about Jesus. going to be talking about the gospel. The simple gospel message that those of us who are followers of Christ heard and believed. I think it's a good reminder to go through that again, and we're going to be taking a look at that, give you a little theology lesson with that. 
And um, to start off, I want to take a look at the book of Romans, starting in chapter 1. Now, Paul here is, he's writing to uh, the church in Rome, and he's telling them, you know, I'm excited to come and see you guys. And uh, we pick it up here in verse 15. He says, "Uh, that is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is that gospel, right? The gospel, which means the good news. That's what it means translated. And it is good news, amen, for those who have heard it. Why is it good news? Because it brings us a lasting answer to all of our problems. It can help deliver us from bondage and sin that will destroy your life. It'll set you on a course that is for your highest good. It provides for you all the things that pertain to life in godliness. It transforms your wants and desires into the wants and desires of God. It'll turn you from a pathway of self-destruction and put you on a path of eternal life, joy, and peace. And see, in John 10, Jesus tells us that the devil is a thief set out to steal from you what is good and ultimately destroy you. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Amen. See, the gospel is a message of hope. The gospel is good news for anyone who will receive it. And the gospel is good news about Jesus. I wasn't lying. I'm preaching about Jesus. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 1, he's writing to the church in Corinth here. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. So Paul here, he writes a letter to the church in Corinth. These people were uh, messed up, to say the least. If you've come to any of our Wednesday night Bible studies where we've gone through that, you've heard of all the craziness they were into, incest and prostitution and this and that. And uh, Paul's kind of, that's a little off base. <laughs> Let's uh, you know, straighten that out. And at the end of his letter here, one of the things they had gotten off on is they also stopped believing in the resurrection power of God, the resurrection of the dead. And see, Paul comes in, he's like, hold on, I gotta remind you guys of something, of this gospel I preached to you. Because what's going on is they were letting outside influences come in and dictate their gospel. They were letting the culture come in and dictate their gospel and what they thought and believed. And we got to be careful because the same thing exists today. We can let culture kind of come in, kind of what seems to be the okay thing. And if, if you're not careful and if you don't really understand this gospel, you can get off base. You know, that's part of the reason we say the Apostle Creed every morning. It's to remind us, oh yeah, this is what it's all about. So he, he goes on, he says, I'm going to remind you of this. And he says, uh, by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. He says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Now, when Paul says there's something of first importance, we should pay attention. He's kind of a big deal in the Bible. He wrote a third of the New Testament. He's like the theologian of theologians. And he's got all of this wisdom and insight and these deep mysteries. And out of all of that stuff that's been revealed to him through the Holy Spirit and all this knowledge he has, he says to the, hey, When I preach you, this is of first importance. And it's this, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. 
See, it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that are absolutely essential to the gospel. Without that, there is no good news. And, but there's some so-called Christians, they go out there and they, they change this. They change it. They make their message something that's not quite the gospel. You know, they'll, they'll say that, you know, they'll, they'll, de- they'll deny the literal reality of Jesus' death on the cross as an atonement for our sins. And they'll say, well, he didn't you know, need to do that. Which I always think, then why did he do it? <laughs> it's kind of a bad day for someone. You know, they'll deny the resurrection of the dead. You know, I've even heard some people deny that he was really dead. You ever hear this? Some of you say, he was just, what he was is he was just passed out. You go through and you study what happened at the crucifixion. And even before that, when they were beating him and whipping him, you know, there's a scripture in, uh, I think it's in Isaiah where it's prophesying, says that they couldn't even recognize him as a man. That's a serious beating when you can't even tell that that's a human. So I don't think he was just knocked out. <laughs> but people go through and they, they try to pull that stuff out. But you've got to remember that if Jesus' atoning death and literal resurrection are not affirmed, then the gospel is not being preached. This is important for us today as the church be reminded of because we live in a culture that kind of has a problem with us Christians. It does. They don't really like us too much. <laughs> you know, certain groups, they just don't like us, that we're just the problem. If we would just be quiet, if we would just go away, and we would just quit believing in what we believed in, I was like, well, then we're not Christians, all right? And you gotta watch out because, you know, we could run into situations like that even happened in the early church. Like you could read in, uh, the story in Acts 3 when Peter and John, they're on their way to pray at the temple and they encountered a beggar who was lame and then they laid hands on him and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was healed and then all of the crowd around goes, whoa, what was that? Apparently, they're used to prayers. They're not used to prayers being answered. <laughs> so they come around, they check this out. What's going on? And in Acts 4.1, it talks about how Peter was preaching Jesus to those people as the answer. He says, oh, you want to know why? Because of Jesus. And it says this in Acts 4, verse 1. It says, the priest and the captain then uh, came uh, of the temple guard and the Sadduc- Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And that was the line, right? The rulers were okay with people praying, apparently as long as it wasn't answered. They were okay with people getting together and going to church. That was fine. Having their little religious get-together, that was fine. But man, when you start talking about the name of Jesus, that's what got them upset. What happens is when you're preaching the good news and the gospel of the resurrection through Jesus, you can't really leave him out. So what they did is they arrested Peter and John, brought him to trial, and when asked by what authority they did these things, Peter answered in verse 10, he said, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, (laughs) ouch, he pokes the bear, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed. He says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. 
Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That is one truth we should know by heart. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And the world hates that statement because it's exclusive and it's intolerant and it's bigoted. And we can't we just say there's lots of paths to heaven? No, we can't. We can't. <laughs> because it clearly says here, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which you must be saved. And again, like I said, if there was other options, why would Jesus go through what he went through? Why would God send his only son? Because crucifixion wasn't like a good time. It's because that was the only way. Why would he have done that if, you know, you could have just listened to the wisdom of Buddha or if you would read the Koran or if there's some other path, but there's no other path. It's through Jesus alone. See, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, the Bible says. Peter did not try to appease his accusers, neither did he try to wiggle his way out of the question. They simply asked, and he gave the answer. It's Jesus. Jesus is the answer that we will never compromise. Jesus is the essence of the gospel. The good news is that he died for our sins and rose from the grave for our salvation. And you'll see in Acts 4, verse 17, tells us the ruler's response to Peter's answer. They all get together and they said, in verse 17, but, but to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. And then they said, then they called them in again, Peter and John, and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied and said, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judges. See, that's some boldness right there. As we read in that opening scripture where Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I can tell you this, the devil wants you to be ashamed of the gospel. He does. He wants you to not talk about it. He wants you to hide it. He wants it to be something that as long as you just talk about it in here, but you don't take it out of there. And I know that there's, you know, there's kind of the politically correct thing, and I, I actually agree with this to, to some extent of, you know, if you want to have a pleasant conversation with someone, don't talk about politics or religion, right? <laughs> You're guaranteed to start an argument about something. And I, and I agree with that. You shouldn't just be going out there trying to start arguments with people. You need Jesus, you need Jesus. Not like, you know, they're going to think you're crazy and walk away and didn't do anything. But there are those times where if you're paying attention, the opportunity for the gospel message to be preached will be laid right in front of you. Amen. I remember one of the, uh, it was the first time I ever prayed with someone to accept Jesus Christ. It was when I was in high school. And uh, we had a uh, singing group. It was a quartet. And I was the tenor. And we would get together and we would practice at, you know, my parents' house and um, you know, because you'd go out and do these competitions at, you know, state and things like that, and we'd always get our little ribbons. But anyway, uh, we're sitting there practicing, and what was really frustrating about the practices was our soprano, because she would come in, and like the first 30 minutes of it was her whining and complaining about her day every time. <laughs> She'd just come in, oh, this guy, 
in this place at this, and oh, my mom, this, and oh, my life, oh. Everything was just awful, 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 and I got sick of it. I got so sick of it, I thought, man, this girl needs Jesus, so she'll shut up. <laughs> I did. That was more or less my salvation message to her. Not nearly as spiritual as what I'm giving you this morning. I said, hey, do you want to stop whining all the time? Well, sure. I'm like, you need Jesus. You need Jesus, so you stop whining and complaining, so your life and everything you put your hope and joy in isn't what this guy said or what my mom did. But it's in Jesus Christ. You ever notice how I'm not whining and complaining all the time? Yeah, because I got Jesus. Doesn't mean I don't go through stuff. And I don't even think it was that eloquent. I pretty much think I just told her, you want to stop whining, you need Jesus, let's pray. (laughs) And she did. She said, yes. And she said that prayer, and it changed that girl. It changed that girl. It is pretty amazing. In fact, she started a church up uh, herself, and she sent me a message saying, do you remember the salvation, that time you led me to Jesus, and you told me to quit being a whiner? Just in case I was thinking maybe I embellished that story in my head. No, she remembered it the same way. Okay. But see, that's not being, that's when you can't be ashamed of the gospel. You've got to look for those times, those opportunities in your life where you can share the gospel with someone else, the message of Jesus. It is real. Jesus is real. His salvation is real. And when you bring that into someone's life who really needs that, you watch that change that person. It is amazing. So... As we pick up here, I want to, again, talk about this thing of not being ashamed. Again, from, from being ashamed, we start in Romans 1, verse 16. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. The reason he's not ashamed is because it brings the power of God. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. See, I knew it would change that girl. I knew she needed Jesus. Because see, the salvation is for everyone who believes. In salvation, it means the rescue, the healing, the deliverance, the well-being, the stop whining of everyone who believes. And that's what Paul means by this word salvation. See, the purpose of the gospel is not just to have that one-time experience. It, it includes that. But it's like this birth that's the beginning, and it's not the end. See, we are born into a family of God, but then we have to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, salvation is a big word. It's kind of, in theology, they break it down into three steps, so I'm going to share with you. This is your little Theology 101 lesson. Three phases. The first one is justification. Justification by faith. And if you read through the first part of Romans, this is what it's talking about in the first few chapters. See, when you received Christ, you were born into a family of God, you were given a new nature, and you were forgiven of your sins. You were instantly put on good standing with God based on what Jesus did for you on the cross. In Romans 5.1, it says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have a peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, being justified means you are declared not guilty by the judge of all earth. Good way to remember justified is it's just if I'd never sinned. Justification is a, an event. It's that one time when you repent of your sins and you choose to follow Jesus 
It says when you do that, boom, you are welcomed into this family. It says your past is forgiven. It's as if you've sinned no more. And it's not because of anything you did. It's not because you're so good looking. It's not because you did a bunch of good things. No, because none of that means anything. It's because of what Jesus did for you. And this is important for us as you know, Christ followers to remember this because Satan loves to attack us. He loves to make you think that you're a loser, that you're no good because look what happened. Look what happened in your past. Look what you did. But what you gotta remember is no, 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 that's who I was. That is not who I am. I'm a child of God. I've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. You know, you're born into this family that gives you special privileges. You know, it's kind of like if you were a gunger in Nielsville about 30 years ago. <laughs> Nielsville's this tiny town. That's where my dad grew up, and my grandpa was a doctor. You probably heard my dad tell the stories where he used to go into the hospital, and he wouldn't have to wait in line to just say, I'm Dr. Gunger's son. And it was true. I used to do the same thing as his grandson. I don't think I made a doctor's appointment until I was like in my 20s. He'd just walk in. I knew a shot for something. He would just grab it like, I would get shots just in the hallway. Just, he would just, yeah, hold there. Nurse, go get this. He'd talk to me. She'd bring the thing. Give me a shot. All right, see you later. I'm out. But it was, it was more than that even. I mean, he was a big deal in the town. Small town, so he was a small big deal. But <laughs> I remember as grandkids, we used to go swimming. And then after swimming, we used to go like, to the grocery store. And just us punk kids, you know, we'd go and we'd get some snacks and some stuff at the grocery store. Then we'd go and we'd stand up at the checkout line. And they'd run it through and they'd say, okay, $10.50. We'd go, we're Dr. Gunger's grandkids. Okay, we'll put it on his account. <laughs> now, we had no money of our own. <laughs> but we walked around like we were big shots because of whose family we were in. Because of who our grandfather was. And even years later, after he had retired and he, he had passed away, we were there for actually my grandmother's uh, funeral. And we were there uh, in Nielsville and... Uh, I was trying to open a bottle at the, um, you know, after, after the funeral, and the bottle shattered and like cut my finger open. I started bleeding like crazy. I'm like, oh no, now I'm gonna die. Um, but it wrapped it up. I go to the hospital. And of course, you go to that nurse that's behind the desk. She's just kind of gruff. What are you here? He goes, what's your name? Phil Gunger. Oh. Are you, you related to Dr. Gunger? Yeah. I'm like, you still remember him? Oh my goodness, Dr. Gunger. And I got into a room right away. <laughs> Several doctors came by just to check on me and to give me, tell me stories about my grandfather. I think he delivered half the kids in that town so they, you know, they all knew who he was. But again, there was this, oh, I was special because of who I was. See, when Satan tries to attack you and tells you you're a nobody, you're a failure, you're nothing, you have to remember, oh no, wait, I was justified by faith. I'm not who I was anymore, but I am a new creation. That's why we call it born again. You're born into this new family. So you need to remember that. Amen? Amen. So after justification, next thing in salvation is you got sanctification. And sanctification, is justification is a one-time event. You're forgiven. Sanctification is the, okay, this is me living it every day. 
all right? They do, it's the day by day, step by step. The theologians call it sanctification. And uh, you know, you read in Philippians 1, 6, says this, it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. See, you were not doomed for failure, you were destined for victory. In Romans 8, 31, it says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. See, I need to remind you of this this morning, that God is with you and God is for you. And if he is for you, then why do you have to worry about failure and the things in your life? You say, well, does that mean I'll never have problems in my life? Oh, no, you'll have problems in your life. But it's like it doesn't affect you in the same way. You know, for me, I got to see it my mom for 20 years. She struggled with cancer. She went from the, you're healed, you're gonna die, you're healed, you're gonna die. And she was the same through it all. That strength only comes from Jesus. It's not just because she was a fiery redhead, even though she was. And it's not just because she learned how to deal with difficult things because she was married to my father for uh, 40 years. Although I'm sure that built up some faith. <laughs> but it's because she was walking through this process, that Jesus was with her there. She sought after him on a daily basis. That's where her strength came from. So you gotta make sure that your salvation isn't just a one-time experience, then you stop. You know, this is the reason we encourage you to get into groups. This is we encourage you to connect with other people. Because you need help. We, aren't supposed to do this on our own. We've got to get together so we can stay focused on him. The great salvation includes justification by faith. It includes the process and work of the spirit in our sanctification. And then ultimately, it will consummate in our glorification. So you've got the justification, the sanctification, and the glorification. That's about all the cations we're going to hit. <laughs> glorification is this. As Paul writes in Romans 8 at verse 18 here, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. He says, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. He says, our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. That's the glorification. What does that mean? It means as Christ's followers, even in death we win. Even in death, we win. You know, this is why when you see people of great faith, they'll, if they're sick or something's going on in their life, they'll respond to the situation. And, What's the worst that can happen? I die. You say, well, how do they just say that nonchalantly? Oh, because they know of the glorification. If you don't know Jesus, I would be concerned. The worst that can happen is I could die. <laughs> But when you know him and you're a follower of him, you get to be in heaven. And see, it says there's a lot of groaning and moaning going on in the world. 
I mean, even creation itself is in turmoil waiting for the day when God will complete his plan of salvation. On that day, this whole earth will be made new. God will purge every trace of evil. See, one day you will receive a glorified body. You will shine with awesome brightness. You will be saturated with the glory of God. The sufferings of this present time are nothing in comparison to the glory God is working in you. Sure, we'll cry some tears from time to time along this journey. Sure, it's going to be tough. Sometimes the brightness of the day might seem an awful long way off. But there is coming a day where God will wipe away all the tears. There is coming an end to all the sorrow and the pain where we will live with him forever. And on that day, we'll be completely sin-free. We won't even be tempted with it. See, in heaven, there's never gonna be a day where we have to pray, Father, forgive us our sins. All that will be in the past. See, for us with this new nature, we won't have to mess with the disappointment and pain of sin. See, there's a day coming where you and I will no longer disappoint anyone, no longer be disappointed. There's a day coming when we will be so filled with the glory of God that the thought of sin will never pass through our pure minds. We will love and be loved forever and ever. There is a day coming. There's an old gospel song that says this, I won't sing it for you, but I don't have my rest of my quartet here, so... What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. And he'll take me by the hand and lead me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Amen. If you would, I'd have everyone bow your heads and close your eyes wherever you are. Now, if you're a follower of Christ, this is a reminder of you, to you, of what this is all about. I hope that this was a reminder to you that you've been justified, that you are walking through this thing with Jesus and that someday you'll go on to live with him forever and eternity. But if you're here today and you say, you know what? I don't know I've ever made that commitment. In fact, I know I haven't. I am very aware of all my past sins. <laughs> I've never asked for forgiveness. And I'm not sure that if I were to die, I would go to a better place. Well, there's good news for you this morning. And the good news is the gospel of Jesus. And you heard me talking about it. It's simply if you will believe in Jesus and you will confess your sins that you will be made new and you will have the salvation so what I'm going to do is I'm going to have everyone repeat this prayer after me and if you will believe this in your heart as you say this you will become brand new you will be adopted into the family and you'll get all the privileges that come with it so if you would just say this after me say heavenly father I surrender my life to you. I freely choose Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And help me to learn your ways.
In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you very much. Amen.